Hi, friends. I'm Olivia. I'm Rod. And you're listening to Just One More Thing from Sunrise Church. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Just One More Thing from Sunrise Church. In today's episode, we are covering the February 11th sermon titled Home Court Advantage. So let's start there. Last week was homemade. Now this one, Home Court Advantage, is that just coincidence? Or was your thought for this series really just focusing on the home? Yes, I wanted to focus on the home, homemade being children are made at home, their character, their values are made at home. And when parents don't take responsibility for that and step up, then uh, society suffers for that, that decision, that choice. Home Court Advantage, I worked a lot on that title. You know, I was thinking, um, I worked for the Dallas Mavericks when I was in seminary, and I was thinking about basketball in you know, specifically. And I was thinking about when a visiting team comes in, they're typically, it's, it's stacked against them. The odds maker will, will note that, that they're playing an away game or they're playing a home game because home court does have its advantages. And I think what happens in marriage a lot of times is we think our marriage is something that happens to us, that we're almost victims, that we are captives of fate. And there's so much that we can do for our marriage. There's so much that we that, that we have an advantage to do some things about the type of marriage we have. The problem is people will do those things and they don't see immediate results. But they need to sow seeds all along the way so they can reap the rewards of a fruitful, vibrant, passionate marriage later on. And so that's what I was trying to do with the title, say, you know, you are the biggest input of the type of marriage that you will have. You're not captive to fate. You, it's, it's not about picking the right person, because whoever you are, that will change in a relationship with another human being. So that, that's what the that's what the title is supposed to evoke, that we do have a home court advantage. We do have a say-so in how our marriage will be. So you went to Ephesians 5 for this sermon, mostly. You, you brought in Revelation 2, but mostly you looked at Ephesians 5, which is a very popular marriage section. But you focused, I would say, on a part that's not necessarily usually the focus when people go to that passage. What I was doing was I wanted this message to be high application. I wanted to get down to the nuts and bolts of what a marriage is about. And I broke it down. Uh, I did not do exposition on that passage. I did not work that passage. I wanted to talk about marriage from a practical aspect, and I said there are two things needed, and I think this passage gives us a hint to what those two things are. It's the attitude we have in our marriage, and it is the vision that we have for our marriage. And that's where I wanted to go. I just wanted to go from just talking from my heart and telling people that they can have a marriage if they're willing to pay the price, if they're willing to have the right attitude, and if they're willing to have the right vision. And both of those things we learn from Christ himself. Do you think that the vision you and mom had for your marriage when you got married do you think that you've largely accomplished that or gone towards that? Or do you think, for whatever that vision was, that what you see now for your marriage 
is a better choice, that the Lord has given you a new vision or, or maybe a, an alteration to your original vision? Yeah, I think that's a great question. We've been married. It will be 42 years this July. And I would say undoubtedly that the fact is our vision was way too small. The vision that we had of how God would use us in ministry, of where we would travel, the, the children we would have and we would have the opportunity to raise, that was so much smaller. We have eclipsed anything that your mom and I could have imagined when we were you know, 21 years old getting married. Um, we've just we've done so much more than what we thought. Uh, I would have never gone to the seminary that I went to without your mom. We would have never dreamed as big as we did, and, and yet we still dreamed way too small. You know, I wake up every morning, and I'm so grateful for the life I have, the children I have, uh, the, the church I pastor. Those seeds, though, were planted years ago, 20-some years ago, that we thought doing this adventure with Christ was going to be a better ride than anything we could come up with ourselves. You know, there have been times when your mother and I have disagreed. Like, I remember when I got out of seminary, she really wanted to go back to the church we were in at in Chattanooga. Um, that there was a place for us there. When we left to go to seminary, we just knew we were coming back. And I felt that the Lord wanted me to do something different, to plant a church. That was a tough, a tough ask for your mom. But God has honored that decision in every aspect. I just think we were we've become so much more than we would have as individuals, if that, if that makes sense. Sure. And so a follow-up question with that, because in your sermon, I did really like how you said that it was important for couples to have a vision. So with what you just said, what type of vision, I guess, do you recommend couples try to do? Is it to be in this, this job or this status in this job? Is it to be, you know, in this location with this type of house or something? Or is it bigger yet broader to be, I want to be this, have this character. I want to have this influence on the people around me. What type of vision do you recommend that couples kind of dream up together? I I think it's all of that. I know that might be a cop-out answer, but I actually think it's all of that. As far as career and those types of decisions, I think I think those are things you can talk about. You know, it it boggles my mind. Once a couple's been married two or three years, they say we have nothing to talk about anymore. And I'm going, wait, wait, what? You know, there's so much to to the type of house you want. I, I'll tell you one of the things we did that was an eye opener to to me and your mom is uh, we had not been married very long, and we went shopping for furniture. Oh boy, that started a conversation that's lasted for years. Your mom's idea of furniture and what she's looking for is completely different than the things I was looking for. And then that started us talking. Well, why do you think we need this type of furniture? Well, why do you think we need this type of furniture? You know, I was looking at the stuff that was two by fours and and built for, you know, uh, uh, wrestling matches and things like that. You know, she was looking at fine, very fine French type of, of, of furniture. And, and we had two different visions, and we had to meld that together. And so I think there's a whole host of things that couples don't develop on their own. So for instance, something very practical, money. 
Why are you making money? What, what's your goal? What type of house do you want to live in? Is it for the quick hit, I just need somewhere to lay my head? Or am I looking at, this is a type of house I'd eventually like to have. And that can change over time, especially with kids and, and those types of things. Uh, the, the big thing for me is, is that people are very short-term in their thinking. I think the most important thing I said in the message was that me and your mom always looked at our relationship as being the big, the big relationship. Outside of our relationship with God, our relationship was going to be was going to trump anything that uh, our relationship with our kids would be. I wanted our kids to know that dad loves me, mom loves me, but dad really loves mom, and mom really loves dad. And they were not going to pit us against each other as, as much as possible. So, so for me, anything is on the table to discuss and grow and learn because you're becoming one flesh, not just physically. But the way you think about things, and we bring, we we still have our different personalities. We still see things differently. But that's that's the adventure of growing and learning and and living and loving together. And so uh, God's taken us on some wild, wild times with that. And I mean, like like up in Boston, we were three months up in Boston together, and we just so enjoyed ourselves. Just being without kids and being up there studying, doing the things we, we wanted to do, but but also traveling together and seeing things. You know, I would ask you, what are, you know, you recently got married, what, seven months ago, I think we can say, eight months ago now almost. You know, marriage had to be attractive to you. I mean, I don't think it was just something you felt like, I- I've got to get married to be a complete person, but marriage was attractive to you. What What did your mom and I do that made the biggest impression to make you want to get married? I think the big picture, we often saw just how much fun you guys had. Um, as a kid growing up, I always knew you guys were a, were a team, a united front, which I appreciated. Um, but also that you, you just enjoyed each other's company so much and you, you know, made each other laugh and just had so much fun. And I think that showed me what marriage could be. I've seen also what marriage could be in the negative side. You know, I've seen separations and divorces. And so I wasn't someone who wanted to just rush into marriage just to have the status of married. I wanted to find a lifelong, fun companion who would make me better, that we would be better together than we would separate. Absolutely. And so I think that's what you guys showed that it was possible to do. And I think what those other examples showed me was that it's a very serious decision and you need to know the hard work that it takes. And that's also something that I think has always been helpful is I've heard from the time I was little, marriage is hard. You haven't told me that directly, but I've just heard it, whether it's from the pulpit or just in your conversations with others. You never sugarcoated marriage or made it seem like it was some fairy tale dream that everything was perfect and hunky-dory like you always had a very realistic view of marriage that you shared with us and so because of that going into my marriage now I'm not worried if we have an off day that's right that doesn't mean that the whole thing is crumbling down the whole illusion has been shattered no I mean people have off days it's fine it's just how you come back together with that how you talk about that how you move forward for whatever that off day looks like, 
that's what matters. And the the important thing is that you remember that you're a team and that, yeah, you are better together than you are alone. You know, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of times, just to stay married, one partner will lose their identity. And I've never wanted your mom to lose her identity. I wanted her to be her own best self. If either of us lose our identity, our identity needs to be lost, not in each other, but in Christ. And so uh, I feel like God has put me here to be her biggest cheerleader, and I feel like God has put her here to be my biggest cheerleader. I remember in college, anytime she was in a play or on stage or anything, I was right there, you know, if not the front row, second row, and I just beamed with pride seeing her do her thing. And she's the same way, where she sits to be able to see the the sermon. And uh, she, she always, even if she's not upstairs for the sermon, she always goes back and listens to the sermons. And so she wants me to be the very best I can be. I want her to be the very best that she can be. And we want our kids to position themselves in a way to where they can have their best life. That means they know the Lord. That means they marry someone who is the type of person worthy of my kids and their character. And uh, I know my kids are going to bring their A game to a relationship. And I hope and pray that that other person brings their A game to their relationship. Because I really want my kids to have that type of marriage and that, that me and your mom have had. I mean, so far, so good on this end. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so thank you for talking about some more of the, the personal hey, side of that. Look, you're not going to have a great marriage automatically. Read together. Watch movies together. Go through seminars. Your mom and I have been through various seminars together. We've gone to marriage counseling together. You know, you put that investment in and you'll reap the reward of that. But if you don't do anything, it's not going to happen automatically. It's just it's just not. And if you're being very naive and foolish if you think it is going to happen just automatically. Yeah. It's, it's two people in the equation. And so... You know, it's not going to just fix itself. It, it you know, takes two to tango. Yes. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you for that. And thank you all for listening to another episode of Just One More Thing from Sunrise Church. <laughs>